right, this one might sound a little different, but we're doing a bit of a summary and a bit of a wrap-up. We've been on Romans Road all summer, and this is week 14, uh, which is quite a lot to summarize on a, on a two-page handout. But to introduce it, I just wanted to say the inspiration for this piece was there was a famous old Bible tract. Some of you may have been given one at the county fair in the past that's called Romans Road. And typically Romans Road has like four main stops. And the question of this tract is basically to lead you to cleaning up the mess of your life by inviting Jesus in your heart, and then all these things happen, and you live differently because of it. What I hope to have shown on the 14-week version of Romans Road is that is, there's a lot more grace to that. There's a lot more going on in that car with Jesus driving. That instead of a, a track to create terror or to trouble the conscience, Romans is a road to freedom. It's a road that says, yes, you've made a mess, but Jesus doesn't just hand you a mop and say, look what I did, I gave you a mop, now you have a chance to clean it up. Jesus actually mops us up. Mops us up off the floor, and squeezes us, strains us into his mop bucket, and behold, the water is pure. I think that's a very different way to, na to navigate Romans. Cleaning a mess versus being a mess that Jesus has mopped up and said, in me, in my baptismal mop bucket, you are clean. And why would you want to go sloshing over the edge of that So the handout just has the big ideas from the top of all the different pages from the summary. Quick tour through that. Paul starts out in the first two chapters of Romans saying, we can't stay here. This road trip is not a, a summer road trip where you, you go there and back again like a hobbit. It's more like Frodo where you're going out to Mount Doom and you are planning to return. Romans Road says, we have to go somewhere else. We can't stay in the conditions of our hearts as good. And our, our world from human society to the growing, strange, decaying creation can't stay as it is. So we have to go somewhere. We have to arrive at a new destination. It's not a round trip. And so with Paul, with Abraham and Sarah, Paul reminds us that we hope against hope and set out to a place God will show us. And on this Roman road, because of the grace in which we stand, we can actually stand in the sunroom, on the highway, with the hair, you know, with our hair blowing in the wind. We stand in the grace and peace of Christ. He is our protection. So you can go ahead and stick your head out of the sunroom. Uh, parents teach kids metaphors. Uh, you can stick your head out of the sunroom going down the highway. Because we're justified by faith, not by our words. But this, this road trip is kind of noisy, and, and as people have given me feedback on the series, I think one of the most enduring images has been this sound you get coming from the front of the car. Because there's a body in the trunk. There's a dead body in the trunk, according to Paul, but we sure, it sure sounds like somebody's alive in the kitchen and wants out. This is, how, this is kind of how Paul describes the life of baptism. He says that we've been baptized into Jesus' death. So the life we live now is Before we get to the other side, we consider ourselves, Paul says, dead to sin and alive to God. 
the images, you hear the old Adam, the old Eve, knocking around in the trunk, saying, hey, let me out. I know where we're going. I know how to drive. But we fix our eyes on the foot ornament and the cross of Christ. Fix our eyes on the road ahead. Not pretending there's not a body in the trunk, but saying that, that body's not calling the shots. We've been licensed to live. You know, when a kid gets their driver's license, they feel like they're free to just figure out what this thing can do on four wheels. Or, or that they can kind of figure out where they want to go. And you just come up with places and you all of a sudden have to go. You can't not go to those places. But our license in Christ is not a license to drive like we want. Because it's actually very unclear. If there were no driving laws, no lines painted on the there were no traffic lights, we would be less than nothing. Because we'd be constantly running into each other and avoiding trouble and so scared to get on the road that we just do something. That we are licensed to live in Christ. That this life is not under the law, it's under grace. Now, easier said than done because Paul says, I don't understand my own actions. Paul says it's about himself. We probably ought to include ourselves in that. Paul says, I don't understand my own actions. I do the thing I hate to do. Usually against the ones I love the most. And then the things I know I should do, I don't do. And then he says in chapter 7, well, who's going to rescue me from this situation? I find in myself, no matter how firmly Jesus has gripped the steering wheel, I'm still leaning over from shotgun, trying to steer him this way or that. Who will save me from this fight over the steering wheel? And Jesus is his dog of life. Jesus is his one who says, give me that wheel. Give me the wheel. And if, if that wasn't bad enough, if we ourselves weren't trying to fight Jesus over the steering wheel, there's road obstacles everywhere. There's other cars. There's bad pavement. You know, there's anything that can run across your path on a road. There's speed traps. There's, uh, there's all kinds of things that say, yeah, but. Yeah, you're in the car with Jesus, but you just hit a wall. Yeah, you're in the car with Jesus, but you took a long turn. It took you a long time to double back. You're in the car with Jesus, but, you know, you better slow down. You don't want to be too full of grace. And Paul says in Romans 8, in Jesus, no condemnation. The big idea is that Jesus has given us the spirit, not as slavery, to fall back into fear. So when a deer runs in front of the front of your car, you say, I'm a father! And, and lo and behold, the deer and you miss each other. A spirit that's not of fear, but of sonship, daughtership, adoption. This car also has a lot to do with the surroundings. That Romans really opens up in chapter 8, not just to the fact that we're in a car and we're trying to figure out how do we get people in this car and how do we get to our destination? But Paul widens our perspective as we get on this mountaintop and we see this whole creation, everything you can see from the mountain pass and the mountain everything your eye can see is something that's growing in the way of creation. All the God has
you look out the window at the mountains and the obstacles and the other cars, none of it can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If you're a motorcyclist, you can love God. Paul has a zeal for the name of Tarsus. Tarsus, especially as a family of Israel, kindred, the people of Israel who rejected Jesus, not wanting that kind of Messiah, certainly not wanting a Messiah who would be crucified for my sins, but rather have a Messiah who would lead the revolt against his own sins, and our hearts. Paul's in anguish over this. And we know that anguish of the empty pews that have friends over here last year. We have empty pews that are not going to be filled again because the saints of Bethesda populate the heavenly land. Saints of Bethesda, there's, there's far more saints of Bethesda over at West Lawn and Bethesda Gardens waiting the resurrection and gathered here tonight. We, each of us, I think, carry loveliness with us in the community. We need to our hearts near and dear. And with Paul, we know that anguish and turn that over to God. He says, I'm doing this to blow your mind. Jesus says, actually, that the people of Israel are like sheep. 
then in today's gospel, in Matthew 18, when Jesus says, try face to face with your brother to resolve this matter. That doesn't work. Take a small group and just quietly, discreetly try to get into theory. And that's very comforting. That doesn't work. Take it to the church. That doesn't work, given the Gentile treatment. Again, it's uncomfortable. Given the tax collector treatment. Don't miss steps. What gospel are we hearing here? The gospel of Matthew. What was Matthew's occupation? Tax collector. How does Jesus treat tax collectors? He says, come follow me and write down what I'm doing and share it with the world. So to treat someone as a Gentile or a tax collector doesn't mean write them off the book. Never let them back in. It means compel the body Bible. Because our witness to the church, our ability to serve the Bethel neighborhood, cities and communities and the world, our ability to be a house of mercy, really is dependent on gathering a community. Not on what one pastor or one certain council member or staff or particular ministry can do. It's a body. It's a body. As I said before, you get on a long road trip, the road gets long. And when you start going away from your siblings and dads, things get difficult. So Paul says, everything you have to say about how we should live, all the shoulds that come if you're in the Romans, it's all that he says in Romans 12 that you can do by faith. Read God's mercy over your life and decide to That's what it's like to get to do. Different than the world. The love is genuine. The love conforms to Christ so that it can transform the world. So this last mile marker on Romans Road is driving until the dawn. Paul starts getting urgent in his tone. He says, the night is far gone, the day is near. And so he uses this image. He says, put aside the works of darkness and take on, put on the armor This is a really fascinating image. First of all, because you can pick up arms. You can, you know, you can do work with your hands. But you can't put on your own armor. That's why knights had squires. You can't get your own armor on yourself. Strap it on tight. You are armored from another. Another is worse. The other difference is the work of the works of darkness are things that we can certainly do with our hands. The armor of light is Christ. The, the very next verse, Paul says, put on Christ. Put on Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Which is a Bible way of saying, don't schedule your sin. Don't intentionally plan sin. Put on Christ. There's one other, at least one other spot in Paul's letters where he says, put on Christ. It's in Galatians 3.27, when he says, for everyone who has been baptized has put on Christ. So his, even, even as Paul has given us all the shoulds at the end, right? The day is near. Wake up, he says. Even as he's telling us how we ought to live. 
and challenging us to not live in debauchery and quarrels and arguments. Even as he's doing that, he's saying you do it not by putting down the works of darkness and putting on some works of light, but by putting off the works of darkness and being clothed, being armored in the light of Christ's gospel, being protected as Jesus is just for us. In that way, living towards the stars. The health of the body is vitally important for us all, and it's certainly where we can leave it today in our gospel. When Jesus gives these really simple, this means really difficult, because when the Bible is clear, it's usually uncomfortable, right? Like, I don't get what the Bible means over here. Okay. But Matthew 18, 15, 20 is unclear. It's just not easy. But Jesus, like Paul, is concerned for the health of the body. And what Jesus is doing is creating this new community, creating a house of mercy in Bethesda, creating a house of mercy in the church. Children come to me. Childless adults come to me. Let all come to me who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my armor, yoke on you, by Jesus Christ. Thank you.